This meeting is being recorded. Dietrich Sal, welcome back to the yeah. Laughing Stoic Pluto podcast. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to see your face. I love the mandala behind you. Yeah. Um, Thank you. That's actually my buddy who's been on the podcast, the guy who uh, jumped up and tapped the window at Cobb's Comedy. That Oh, yeah. Not the hat. I mean, behind the other mandala. The, the, no, that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, so this one here, he got that in the um, in Annapura, the hills of uh, the mountains yeah. of Tibet. Wow. It, it's handmade. Yeah, it's really cool. It's got some amazing energy. Super cool. Yeah. So um, I'll start off with this. Uh, unfortunately, my... Tweety Bird um, uh, furry costume is in the dry cleaner, so I wasn't able to wear it today. You know what, man? Same. Like my Meow yeah. Meow costume is actually- I bet it's drenched. It's drenched in cum. <laughs> is that what really happens at the end of the JRE podcast? You're... Cum drenching? Yes. In the beginning and in the middle. And throughout. They yeah. added those out, but yeah. It wakes you up. <laughs> I got to say, man, first off, um, I seen Rogan's 2000th episode pop up and I seen you in the Meow Meow costume. Yeah. And I, I, that was on Tuesday. And I said, I'm talking to that guy on Friday. So this is an absolute confirmation that I'm living in a simulation. Uh, this is, <laughs> this is same, really the main like Getting invited for his 2000th episode, even if it's just numbers, it just felt like so, so like, I felt so happy and like, excited that he, he invited me that felt like such a like sweet thing to to invite me to do because i you know i love his podcast so much i mean it's just a great podcast so just to get to have any part in it at all is i just feel like i'm in a simulation yeah i found out at the end that uh rogan and i have something in common um what? his favorite podcast is the dtfh and ah! so is my you guys are too sweet man thank you <laughs> yeah I, I gotta say man there is something magical i know i'm not the first person to say this something magical happens when you guys get together that's just i mean you're, you're both so awesome alone but the the um fusion of the two of you like this third amazing thing magical thing appears your all-time favorite podcast duo well i mean this is cheesy but we really love each other we've been friends <laughs> for a very long time he he's been my mentor and friend and like you know he's really been there for me in, in like really, really dark times in the sweetest way. And so, you know, like he's like a brother for, you know, people throw that word around, but that's what he feels like to me. So I think what people are seeing is just that it's like, I, we've, we've been doing podcasts since before there were people were doing podcasts before the Jerry, we would, the way we talk on the podcast is how we just used to talk on the phone. Like yeah. there's no difference. And so I think we're, com we're super comfortable talking to each other and i know a lot of people now when they go on that show they're 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 nervous because they're thinking about how many people watch it or listen to it and it freaks them the fuck out and i don't blame them but because i i've known them for so long and because we're friends like i don't have that i don't feel freaked out like i'm excited yeah. for it just because i like oh shit we were gonna get to talk for like three hours straight and i just love whatever pops out he's so goddamn funny man like he's just <laughs> so perfectly funny and is a like and 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 yeah so I, yeah we're just you know we, we've known each other i appreciate that i yeah it's the coolest thing ever 
Yeah, well, that's the love comes through. And that's one of the coolest things about the art form of podcasting is my, my favorite podcasts are just two friends talking. Yeah, you know, and, and that really comes through the love comes through the comfortability comes through. And um, I, any time that I see a, a Duncan and Rogan podcast pop up, you know, whether it's on yours, which has been a few times back in the day or Rogan, I just I'm like, Oh, my God, I, I'm in for, you know, the best thing of my life. I get to listen to these guys. Thanks, talk. I was man. I was actually in San Francisco uh, the day that it came out and I'm walking around Chinatown. I'm walking over by Cobb's Comedy, listening to you two talk and just I had the biggest smile on my face. I'm laughing out loud. People probably thought it was crazy. Well, you know, <laughs> R- Rogan like holds a space for people that is not an easy space to hold uh in that space is a space of a very disciplined person like he walks the walk and he holds that space and so like you know people who maybe haven't gotten to that point of like getting their like day organized and getting their life organized and getting their their health in order and like it's it, it, like they I think one of the things that's really like the, one of the gifts he's gives everybody is, is like, like he, he, you could, that's a possibility for anybody, you know, if you got disciplined, if you like really focused, if you, and so the fact that he is like an example, he's a good example, you know, like he really is. And like, and I think you can sort of, what's really cool about any podcast that's been going on for a long time is you can watch a person's evolution. Like you can watch what, how information impacts a person over time. And uh, yeah, like I know doing my podcast, like I, like it has like shifted my consciousness, having conversations with people like you and seekers and, you know, it like, it's that, that third thing pops up in every podcast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, it really comes through when you guys talk, it comes through so many of your episodes. Um, I just, I, I really appreciate Thanks. what the work you do, man. Uh, I'll, I'll promise I'll finish the love fest early this time, but I just <laughs> have to always begin with that. Thank you. Um, so speaking of, you're talking about people being nervous going on, on Rogan's podcast, I'll go a little meta and talk about myself. Uh, I was talking to my buddy this week and I said, he said, you ready for dunk? Same, same guy, Mandala, the dude that tapped the window. Yeah. Said, you, ner- you nervous about the podcast? And I said, I'm not. And I started getting nervous about the fact that I wasn't nervous. Is you ever aware of that phenomena? Yeah. I, and you know what? I'm glad you're bringing it up because I used to think that was a bad sign. I used to think if I'm, if I'm not, you know, I, I, the same thing, if I'm not nervous, then something's off. But I have realized that that is a very, masochistic way of thinking about the world (laughs) it's a pain-based way of thinking about the world and it's very sad the idea that you need to be in some kind of a excruciating anxiety state if you're doing something important like not only does that just suck because you you go into fun things and exciting things with that that energy but just from a like no survivalist in the world says, if you want to survive, freak out. The best way to survive is to panic, get nervous, and then your chances of survival increase. Now, obviously, a podcast has nothing to do with literal biological survival, but it's I think it's the same, it's the same I, sick idea. It's like if you, you know, there, there's really nothing to worry about in, in podcasting or going on stage or anything. And 
since I've like gotten better at not being all wound up before I go on stage, then I'm able to like connect with the audience in, in ways that I really couldn't if I was freaking out secretly because audiences know you're freaking out whether, whether <laughs> they know consciously or subconsciously they can they smell that. Yeah, absolutely. I so uh, as I mentioned last time, I'm I'm big on stoicism, reading reading the greats, Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and Epictetus and all them. And one of the kind of through lines, and it's in Buddhism too, but it's very pronounced in stoicism is, um, you control what you can control, and and out everything that's outside of your control, your job is to accept, respond as calmly as stoically as possible. So as I, I, as I was saying, I wasn't that nervous until for some reason seeing you today on Patreon, it just hit me all at once because I wasn't quite sure if this was going to happen or not. Nicole, I don't know if she, she didn't respond to me this week. And I'm like, maybe it's just not going to happen. So I sort of totally let go. And then I heard your response on Patreon saying, oh, yeah, we're doing it. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's the nerves. Like it came in really good. And I started doing the stoic practice of like, okay, imagine it sucks. Imagine you guys like don't connect at all. You know, D Duncan is What's like, got awesome? <laughs> like well, each other. What the fuck does he think I'm gonna do? <laughs> you know, what do you want? You want to talk? You've never been in. I love to talk about for an hour. You, for a night, you never, man. you never been in here, man. You never. I, I know. Oh no, I, I should. I know. I'm such a hypocrite to even act like that doesn't happen to me. Like it does happen to me. And uh, you know, that's just like uh, there. There actually is a Tibetan saying that mirrors the uh, stoic saying you just said, which is um, if you can change something, then don't worry. Mm. If you can't change something, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's the same exact idea, which is like, if you, if you are capable of changing this or that, great, you're going to change it. Situation will improve. You can't change it. Great! Now you don't have to worry <laughs> about trying to change it. What a win-win. Win-win. Yeah. And, and when you're met with that kind of logic, that's where you understand attachment. That's yeah. where you're like, fuck, I'm addicted to worrying. Yeah. I am hooked on my, the worst drug on earth is cortisol. It mm. is the worst. And I, when you realize you're a cortisol addict, when they all are. Oh my God. And now you're like, no, if I don't ball myself up or freak out, I'm not going to get that sweet blast of cortisol and I'm not going to experience the high associated with capitalism, which is cortisol. We're all yeah. cortisol freaks. I'll blast that cortisol. We associate cortisol intoxication with productivity. We mm. associate cortisol intoxication with taking something seriously. You know, all these, it's the exact same way, like with vaping, like, or smoking or any other wonderfully horrible drug, uh, it pairs itself with this condition or that. So you have this Pavlovian reaction to an event where it's like, oh shit, I want a cigarette or, you know, oh fuck, man, this is where I, I should secrete some cortisol and from my amygdala because this is when I get high on this shit. And then that's, I love that feeling like, oh, God damn it. Like, I'm just getting high on my own supply. Yeah. yeah the greatest I, drug. That's why I drink other people's cortisol. Oh, is that, is that what you do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm cortisol from the neocortex of my slaves that I've captured. 
Oh, that's a great hustle. I um, I got a lot here from you know the last couple of hours. So can I ship some to you? It'll be I'd fresh. Love it. Yeah, I yeah. love fresh cortisol. I mix yeah. it with my cold brew. I think there's probably something spiritual to like having cortisol, something related to you too. So I'll get some of that good dunking. It's it's draining now. It's like I'm totally relaxed at this point, but I'll try to collect some of the sweat that I had. From you know what? I'll trade cortisol because when my wife gives birth, I'm sure I'm going to be blowing <laughs> some out. So I'll make sure I, I give you some Russell cortisol. You'll love it. It's really good shit. There we go. So so talking about bearing the lead here, you have a huge life event right around the corner. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling in this moment about the baby that's on the way? I seen your wife on the Patreon. She is glowing. You guys yeah. are so beautiful together. She seems Thank so you. awesome. Um, how are you feeling in this moment about the the new birth on the way? I mean, you can't, there's, it's like death. It's like the opposite, you know, opposite stand back to back. So it's like, yeah, what it's the fuck? Like all you can do is like, like any other thing, man, uh, for me, the more I practice being in the moment in non chaotic situations, that's pretty much all I can do. That's all you can do. I mean, aside from like, make sure everything's planned out, try to like, really open up a space of like, like you have to remind yourself when you're around pregnant people like like if if you're like you know if the thought flickers through your mind and maybe i'm the only like husband who's ever had this thought if the thought flickers through your mind they sure seem grumpy what's going on with them it's like motherfucker they got a baby like in there like pushing into their ass mm. they've got a baby just moving and wriggling and 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 you're gonna like be like oh they're grumpy like you get a mild headache you get grumpy like they've got to drink seven gallons of water every five minutes they have to <laughs> stroboscopic pee breaks like you're really gonna be like they're gr- what's wrong they can't sleep because they have to keep getting up to pee and then you're gonna be like oh why are you being grumpy well what what a mystery so learning patience you know in the face of that like like compassion patience all that stuff. And so, you know, it's, um, it's great. It's, it's, it's a, a rising sun event, you know, a sun mm-hmm. is rising into our life, a, yes. a daughter in this case, but you know what I mean? Like a, it's a sunrise of being yeah. into this fragment of time space. And, uh, you know, if you tune into that energy, you can feel it coming into the house before the baby's there. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, um, so I've had two daughters myself, as we've talked about before. I think when I seen you in San Jose, I showed you some pictures of them. You did. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think I first heard from you that childbirth is the most psychedelic event that you can participate in. And it's, you know, gotta be obviously even crazier for the mother. It's pretty damn death. outside of death. Yeah, exactly. Death two ends of the same. Birth. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I was just, I was going to ask since you've experienced it twice now, I know on my side, uh, when both my daughters were born, it, it was incredibly psychedelic. I got so emotional unexpectedly. It was just one of those things you can't put into words, right? You poetry tries music tries, but, um, it's, it's ineffable. Um, and I remember both times the phrase that came to my mind was, Oh, these little, these little girls are my hero because they just went through this heroic event, yeah. right? Of, of birth, of being birthed into this world. And, yeah. and that, that sort of always stuck with me. I, I wanted to ask as someone who's experienced it twice now and your first daughter's on the way, what were those moments of childbirth like for you on your end of the universe? 
Oh yeah, man. You know, definitely like mystical and definitely like synchronicities involved and like just what you're saying, which is the veil lifts for a moment. You are in the presence of the thing that we are, we all have some form of amnesia uh, related to that thing. We, we can't remember, but the, the experience of, of being in that space, you remember it right away. You know what that is. You, it's, there's a familiarity there you recognize that you've been invited into a kind of temple or sacred, a real sacred space. And uh, so both of them were, the first one was incredible because the, like I'd had a dark, fixation on the number 13 and because 2013 is when my mom died and um that number always scared me and then like the room that we were in 13 no way the kid ends up and again i'd always associated 13 with death Mm. my own cancer my mom's cancer and but all of a sudden it was like the universe was showing me like, no, it's life. Like you've, you've gotten confused about this number. The number is like uh-huh. the number, all the great moments in your life, the biggest teaching moments have been wrapped around this number. And so it completely like banished my, like, when, when the, the oldest ended up in the NICU uh, because of jaundice, number 13, that was where he was at. So it was all these 13s kept appearing. Until finally I shifted my phobia of 13 transformed and not just that, but like my, I mean, like trust a little bit here. Like you can like trust everything's going to be okay. The second child, this is the first, no, this is the first, another <laughs> synchronicity that happened, which was just incredible. So basically like, we took the baby home from the hospital. Everything was fine. Took the child to the pediatrician. They do tests. And somehow, I don't know how, that pediatrician didn't have our phone number. So we get the worst call you can ever get from the hospital saying, you need to call the pediatrician right now. They're trying, he's trying to contact you. Hmm. So when they met, you know, they measure for Billy Rubin, which is jaundice. Uh, yeah. This doctor had been trying to reach us. And basically it's like, you have must have your child in the NICU, like, an hour ago based on the levels of Billy Rubin and the kid's blood and terrifying, terrifying, terrifying. And, and you know, yeah. you, when you get the baby home, it's just so cozy and wonderful. You're in the garden of Eden. You've got your brain is just splattered dopamine all over everyone. It's just incredible. And then suddenly it's like, no, you're going back to the hospital. And for me, it sucked, but I mean, for Aaron, you know, like, it's just like, just terrible. And so, that's when on the way to the hospital, we get a text from Ramdas and who knew the baby came. It's Ramdas with all of the all the people who like st- who are staying with him singing like well, you know, well, welcome to your incarnation. Welcome, oh. welcome. on the way to the hospital. <laughs> so to say, like, it's okay. 
remember yeah. it's okay like among like wherever there is that rotten stuff there's mm. always like Ramdas singing to you there's always the other completely different current of yeah. harmony peace and so yeah that that was another synchronicity that happened all kinds of things. So both experiences are reminders, you know, of the mystical component of the universe, of the joyful, frothy, fun, beautiful possibility that you can witness at any time. And because birth is on the other side. I mean, is there anything more primordial, bloody, crazy, screamy, you yeah. know, birth? And it's the, the, so both polarities show up and kind of dance with each other and it's a beautiful thing wow what what a beautiful story that reminds me uh, we are going to talk about how you met ramdas because as much as i've listened to you i've never heard the real story of how you initially really? yeah I, I i haven't not the the beginning i obviously have heard so many stories of your interactions with him and and you know i know that his teaching and it has had a huge impact on your life but i i don't know sort of the the epicenter of okay. how you met him and um and but we're gonna we're gonna save that maybe for a, a grand finale because a few things i gotta get in because i know we could spend the rest of the time talking about ram Dass. he's been absolutely huge in my life um you know he's it, it like he's like one of those guys you're you eat too, too many edibles you're having a bad trip or whatever the absolute cure-all is put on experiments and truth <laughs> listen to some 100%. ram Dass. 100%. Listen to some, listen to some East Forest, uh, you know Ramdas yeah. mashups, which are absolutely totally. beautiful. Yes, yeah. absolutely, you're 100 percent right. Like that is, if you don't have any Xanax lying around, then definitely <laughs> Experiment in Truth should be your next go-to. Yeah, yeah. I just you reminded me of one thing. Uh, I I got to bring up uh, my Ramdas, my my guru. First, I have to read this from my lawyer. Um, please do not play the Paul Hederman drinking game. There was over 50 deaths last time. Yeah. Because of <laughs> Dude, when you I have to tell you this. When you told me about that Paul Hederman drinking game, I thought it was horrible. Like I just kept thinking, like, fuck, man. Like if you keep saying Paul Hederman or someone in your podcast says Paul Hederman and they're drinking. And how many times do we did you say Paul Hederman? I said a few times. You said it about fifty. Um, so yeah, a few alcohol poisonings. Um, but anyway, had to read that disclaimer. Please do not play the Paul Hederman game. Hederman. <laughs> don't play it. Don't do it. No. Put the drink down. Um, so I don't even think uh, Paul Hederman would want you to play that drinking game. <laughs> I know he wouldn't because uh, he's sober actually for the last thirty-five years. From what I've gathered, yeah, from your like accountings of your like your interactions with Paul Hederman is that. Yeah, that probably wouldn't be the first thing you would wish. No, want absolutely. people hearing Paul Hederman to be taking like like a potentially third eye closing poison. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think works. Paul Hederman would want people to like take deep breaths when anyone said Paul Hederman. That's there we go. The new Paul Hederman game, the breath game. Yeah. Ah, who's that? Uh, you mentioned about thirteen being um, that you sort of had it wrong in your in your interpretation of it. it was about death and that what a beautiful um transformation that you saw was actually about life and something that my yeah. my my mentor paul says all the time is the fear of death um we think of it as like we love life or we're clinging to life but actually fearing death is robbing your presence your love yeah. and your your appreciation right here and now 
Yeah. And so in, in that funny way, when you're afraid of death, you're, you, it already came true. You're dead because you're not alive. All of the life energy, which is available here and now, is being stolen for a theoretical death that's down the road, that's, that's not here, present, now. The, yeah. the, the, uh, I, when, uh, some, uh, academy vision I had when I was still contending with my fear of death, not to say that it's gone, but you know, it used to be like really pathological, uh, was like, you know, how you hear things in the psychedelic universe. It told me your fear of death is your love of life in reverse. You love mm. life so much that you can't stand the idea that you will lose it. And, and it's just what your, your teacher is saying too. You know, it's once you realize it's the other, like it's the same coin, you know, it's the death. It's like the same fucking coin. It's just yeah. the other side. And yeah. then you realize that it's like, Oh my God, I just don't want to get my heart broken. It's like yeah. people who've gone through a bad breakup, which I imagine all of us have in the form of our death in the last incarnation. <laughs> You know what I mean? We were like, I'll never love again. <laughs> That's so good. I'm never going to let life, life, I'm never giving life my phone number. We're all just heartbroken by life because we got broken up with in a past life. Or we are, we, yeah, we, we died. Yeah, exactly. So we're a little butthurt. <laughs> but I, I know too well to open up my heart to life. I remember what I did last time. All right. So I'm just going to like close my heart and not experience this one at all. Like I'm just not going to just get through the whole thing without one feeling and then, and then die. Oh God. I just heard a story the other day of this guy. Um, he was like in his eighties and he said, you know, his strategy in life was basically to not ever get too excited, not ever get too depressed, too, too depressed because, you know, it, it, uh, he just sort of wanted to be level, right? Like, like yeah. down the middle. And he practiced that with his wife and he was married to her for 40 years. She died tragically in a car accident. And he said the first like moment and every moment since he's gone, oh, that was a fucked up strategy because yeah. it didn't help. It still hurts just as much. And I robbed 40 years of fully opening up and loving right. and appreciating this woman. I mean, and also just give yourself a lobotomy. I mean, I think that's literally <laughs> what separate the two sides of your neocortex. And I think you will not even have to exert any effort to achieve that state. Yeah, man, exactly. It's like, you know, the, the other thing is, it's like, it, it, it's the jumping off the diving board. It's like, seems mm -hmm. scary at first until you're like, in the water suddenly and there's nothing to be afraid of and like i think most of the trepidation regarding heartbreak is like the moment you like experience it it's not as bad as you thought it would be ever it's usually actually the opposite of what you thought if you just let it happen a little bit a little yeah. bit you yeah. know you could you could dip your toe in heartbreak you don't have to throw your whole body into it first <laughs> Ease yourself into it, yeah. Ease yourself before, into it, bro. Before you know it, to it, before you know it, you're head deep, right? Yeah, and then it's not, then you realize, oh, right, this is actually like not heartbreak. This is like the breaking of the callus around my heart. It's not mm -hmm. break a heart. Yeah, and that's where all the beautiful poetry of you know you got to break your heart to let the uh, to to let the light in, right? And yeah, yeah, all the things. The crack and everything that lets the light shine in. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. I mean, we're all, it makes sense. I get it. Cause every other thing you do want to stay, you don't want to touch a fire. You mm. don't want to like stick your finger in a light socket or jump into like a, 
pond filled with alligators or whatever. <laughs> don't do that. Like that's not going to help you. But weirdly, when it comes to this stuff, it's like the opposite. You turn to it, face it, let it be with you. Hmm. Just spend okay. a little bit of time with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about yeah. the leaf blower, man. They <laughs> oh, I can't. Leaf blowers. I you can't hear it. Okay. Good. I can't even hear it. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of death and uh, children, those are two huge uh threads in my work. I think I mentioned to you before the writing that I do, what sort of finally got me to get off my ass or, or, or sit on my ass and get in front of the keyboard was to write stuff for my daughters. And um, it sort of has taken off since then. I'm, I'm coming up on a hundred articles posted online and it's, yeah, it's, it's so cool because every time I sit down, like I don't experience writer's block, knock on wood, because I never run out of things to say to them, right? right? There's, there's always there's so many great uh, teachers and lessons and 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 wisdom, you know, that that I come across. That yeah. every every time I sit down, there's something to share with them. So uh, a question I wanted to pose to you, um, as I mentioned before, I think Midnight Gospel is one of the greatest works of art of uh, the history of mankind. Wow. And I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm not bullshitting. And I've said that on other podcasts, not just because you're here. Um, I would You should like go to-, to the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, that, that shit's boring. It's frozen in place, man. There's no music. There's no moving art, you know. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry for making a dumb joke. <laughs> um, so I wanted to see if you've ever thought, or I could pose it to you. Let's say uh, you tragically passed away. Yeah. And you could pick one episode from Midnight Gospel to show to your children yeah. at age 20, age 30. It's whatever. the mom episode. I mean, <laughs> of definitely, for sure. It's like, you know, like, yeah, if I if I had to pick that yeah. for sure, it, for sure. Just sort of, you know, you know, the underlying principle, I think, that she was getting across there is that like the love, longing, lo- all the manifestations of love, that's a lot more constant than having a body and that you know stop me if i told you this story in the last podcast but uh one like incredible like you know when you lose a parent you will experience them from time to time not in some like you're making it up way but it's like they're standing in the room with you or something it's the most amazing thing that can happen and it's interesting probably when you lose anybody that can happen some people are afraid of that or they don't want to, they, they, they don't want to get their heart broken. So they don't want to even imagine that that is real. Oh, I'm just, you know, trying to cope with my grief I'm inventing this sense, but it's real. I think it's, it's, it's real. I mean, it's we're talking about 3d probably versus 4d. We're talking about outside of time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they could say hello to you anytime. They, you might be contacting your parents before you were born. They might be dreaming of you in the future. You never know. But I was, uh, cooking breakfast for my children and just feeling the love for them just feeling the love and feeling like oh my god this is like incredible i just love watching them eat i love cooking i just it's not about me at all you know it's like you're just trying to get food into them and you want the food to be good you want them to like it and then uh (laughs) we you know in those days, I guess I can't do it now, but in those days they were too young 
to have taste in music. So I would play Enya in the morning. I try to play like relaxing stuff. No way. I play that for my daughters too. Enya, that's our go-to. That and Bob Marley. Perfect breakfast music. Yes. (laughs) Perfect morning music. So I'm playing that which my mom loved. And then like, oh, you know, it's a, it's just like play in you. And then a song, the song my mom loved the most came on. And then I realized, oh, the love I'm feeling for my children in serving them was the love my mom felt for me. And that I am experiencing all moms, my mom in that moment perfect a perfect version just pure love and right when i had that thought forrest the oldest looked at me and goes did you find me just out of the blue (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sitting there tearing up he's like who knows what he was talking about but but you know i think you know that's how that that's how synchronicities show up in relation to death and birth and stuff is like you know the universe talks to you. You just have to listen and confirms your intuition. You know, you don't just get the, the sense of like the epiphany. You'll get confirmation too. Like, yes, yeah, this is it. And so, yeah, yeah man, that, that, uh, that is why I think that last episode is so cool. Cause she was articulating that idea. Wow. Yeah. You definitely did not tell that story last time because uh, I had to fight back tears. That's really beautiful, man. Thank you. What 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 a what an amazing moment! I I know that the the moment in that episode that gets me that gets everyone that I talk to whether they've lost a parent or not is when you ask um what do you do about the hurt you know and she says you cry <laughs> just now yeah and th- I mean so zen so beautiful just it just it, you know sometimes if if I need to get a cry you know like you know when you, you feel sick and and you need to throw up sometimes you just you just go to the toilet yeah. and just do it right emotionally when I got it when I got a cry in there and and I can't quite get it out certain music will do it whatever the absolute go-to though is that moment <laughs> what do you do yeah. you cry and then I'll just just vomit out my eyes get it out of me and and I it's a beautiful vomit. gift you've given the world man thank you <laughs> sorry I'm just picturing like thank god we have tears and it's not vomit <laughs> Yeah, could you imagine how much more it's already embarrassing to cry? Could you imagine if like, you know, then you'd have a real you. reason not to cry. Like then you could just be like, yeah, it's rude. It's right. the bathroom to cry, please. Yeah, for real. It would be mess be a messy world. Put a diaper on your head. <laughs> Feeling emotional. So, okay, I have to I have to stick in one more question and we'll we'll finish out with Ramdas here. Um another one of my good friends and mentors, um I could definitely point to him as um, inspiring me to to get to the point where I'm podcasting with you. This is uh, my friend Clark Kegel. He's a big YouTuber. He's got over a million cool. views. Um, I, I, I did his program. He was the guy who finally talked me into doing a vision board again after I hadn't for 15 years. Does he I know put, Paul Hederman? Uh, not yet, no. <laughs> but we're trying to get them together. Um, Paul's a little smaller in the YouTube world. He's, he's more un- underground. But uh, my buddy Clark, I, I reached out to him. I said, hey, man, you've been such an uh, inspiration to me and, and helping motivate me to do this podcast. Reach out to Duncan. He said that you've been huge for him from very early on. And I asked uh, if he had any questions that I could pass along to you. Oh, 
Yeah, so I'm gonna ask his question. I hope I get do this justice. So he, uh, part of his deal, he's a self-improvement, uh, kind of alternative self-improvement world of okay. fusing, fusing the East and the West. Wait, so, can I pause you for a second so you don't have to feel yeah. rushed? Like I do have a little more time than 55 minutes. So if this goes over, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Okay, I'll take a breath. Okay. No, you didn't seem like you were rushing. I just didn't want yeah. that eating at you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's very sweet of you. You're truly the most generous. I got to say, when I've talked to people and I've mentioned that I've done a podcast with you, the first thing everyone says is, oh, he's so cool. Oh, like, thank you, God. Thank what, you. <laughs> like, he'll, he did a podcast with you. Like, he took the time to do a podcast. Like, uh, what? Nice is he going to neg you? <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, he did. I'm awesome. Cooler yeah, than him. I'm cooler than him. You are. are. You just be like, I'm cooler than him. You're told me I'm cooler than him. You can say that. Okay, I'm going to probably get that framed I, and put above my bed. I you cooler than me. <laughs> Definitely not true, but thank you. So anyway, Clark's question um, relating to the idea of the East and West um, is how you personally fuse the, the, we'll say Eastern, just to simplify it, yeah. Being present, being content, accepting yourself, your being, you know, where you are here in this moment, how you fuse that with improving in yourself personally, in your career. You're obviously yeah. wildly successful as a podcaster, as a comedian and all that. And um, how you sort of work the, the tension of those two in, into your life. And one of the things he said was uh, maybe it's your synth. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> practice is is one of one of the big keys to to you doing that but um yeah any any answer to that well i mean as a comedian you are constantly engaged in improving like there you there it is a never ending hopefully a, an evolutionary a process that's happening to you because every time you go on stage and especially if you're lucky enough to have like a club where you're getting to hang out with comedians who are all in, in that practice together, um, you, uh, you, you, you must improve because they're improving. They're working hard. You must work hard. Like you, that's why, you know, in Buddhism, they always talk about being very careful about who you associate with. And yeah. you never want to be the funniest person in the room or the smartest person in the room or whatever the fuck it is. You definitely never want to think you are. I mean, that's a bad sign, but being around people, who are really actively, uh, passionately working on their craft and their art and all this stuff is so inspiring. And and, and every time you go on stage, you know, you it's interesting because you can go on stage and everyone laughed and on, on paper, it's a great show. But you don't, you know that whatever the risk you wanted to take, you didn't take. Whatever the thing you wanted to throw out there, you didn't, you, you, you decided to just go into your same old shit and to them it was new, but you didn't take the risk. So you, you, you learn and, and, and the, the more you get into it, the more, the less you know about it, the more you confused, you might become about it. And those are wonderful moments where you you realize like, fuck, I don't know anything about this. Like, what is this even, what am I doing? And then you share those notes with each other and that's what i really love is because the technical aspects of the of what it is you know we talk about that with each other things that i don't when i 
didn't know anything about stand-up comedy. I never would have thought about like pauses or how yeah. to pause or just just all these little little things and just that and then everyone improves if someone's realized something if that is incredible so that's one way but then i'm a dad you know if you're not improving as a you better be improving as a dad right like you don't want to be like devolving as a as a parent so you know that that is a as a practice for sure and you know letting that be the inspiration for all the other forms of self improvement so like i think the eastern western um binary here uh to refer to the where where eastern like the eastern traditions or at least my understanding of them works well with the sort of western self improvement we got to evolve let's get better stronger bigger faster how does that song go <laughs> bigger faster better and that's I don't fun. know if that's what your friends are referring to. I don't I don't mean to sound like I'm like passive aggressively nagging self-improvement because like all I do when when I'm driving is like listen to some I always have something going, like an audible with some self-improvement thing going. It balances me out. Like I ha- and if I'm not doing that, I get wobbly. So definitely love it. Uh but the so the West, the Eastern stuff for me is seemingly antithetical in that there you will find everything's perfect you mm. already are perfect the where you where you are right now is just where you need to be and in fact the practice of meditation familiarity with one's what you actually are can give you a glimpse of of the reality of that so it's not even intellectual anymore like you you see that you 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 whatever like imaginary egg shell you've wrapped around yourself that has convinced you you're not part of the universe, it can just break all of a sudden. And then when that happens, well, why improve? Why do I need to go to the gym? Why do I need to do this? Why here I am. Or Pima Chodron in her book, The Wisdom of No Escape in the Forge, she says, many people practice meditation or start meditation with a hope that they'll get better in some way. I don't remember her exact words. And she said, this is starting your practice with an aggression against yourself. Mm. So, you know, but but I think that these two things don't have to, like one doesn't negate the other. That if that you there is a way you can tune into some fundamental goodness of which you are a part and have that as your basis yes when you do get engaged in like i want to get in shape i want to start running i want to work out i want to look better i want to whatever i want to get better at this it doesn't have that element of self-hate that you find sometimes and i have had in the past where you're like look at yourself look at you fat fuck you need to get to the gym you gotta start working out you piece of shit you piece of shit how'd you let yourself get like that that goes away and then and my God, especially when it comes to working out, if you want to ruin your experience of working out, uh, like start thinking like, okay, if I do this consistently for the next four years, I might have mild definition in my stomach. You're just yeah. going to stop. But if you yeah. go into it with present moment awareness and just this is what's happening now, yeah. with no like real like intense, like, ah, oh, I just have to make it three more weeks then it becomes so enjoyable. It's so, so much more fun. So I think that's how self-improvement 
and a connection with a sort of unit of consciousness can work very well together. Beautiful, beautiful answer. Yeah, I, I wrote an article last week called um, Fusing Self-Improvement, Self-Acceptance, and No Self. And and very much just what you were just talking about, kind of the, the idea that um, accept yourself as you are and from that Pema Chodron place of love, of being full of love, you can then live the life that you know you love. And not of like, a, I'll be happy when postponing your happiness, but like from a full cup, you can overflow and yeah, yeah take care of your health, take care of your community. It can yes. be love-based and it's a wonderful fuel. And yeah. also accepting oneself as you are is accepting the parts of yourself that do want to be more disciplined, that do yeah. want to be more active, that do, that wants to be less depressed. That's part of you too. Yeah. And you have to listen to that, but there's a way to like, embrace that or to 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 realize that that all of that is being held within a much bigger much less neurotic much calmer infinitely more peaceful um kind of womb uh, emptiness or whatever you want to call it and 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 then and that maybe you allow yourself to not just identify with that part of yourself, but also the emptiness part. And you learn how to hold those two polarities together. It's, in Buddhism, that's absolute reality versus relative reality. You can't have one without the other, really. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a way to stand sort of in that place of absolute reality. And I, I write about this sometimes and see the relative self is like, this fictional character will say ultimately from a spiritual perspective, but that fictional character is deserving of love and yeah. to live the best life possible and to take care of its health and yeah. have great relationships and all that. And I think there's something cool about finding a way to strike that balance. The, the, the ranch you just went on was absolutely. A it's nonfiction too. I mean, it's like, this is <laughs> like within relative reality, you must like, you can't just deny relative reality because it isn't permanent it's happening right now so in this moment we aren't fiction we are non-fiction yeah, but definitely in 200 years any accounting of us is going to be fiction that's fiction whatever it is it won't be this moment right now so these two things are happening simultaneously and this is as my teachers explained it to me uh david nickturn this is the um, the, this is on one side, you have absolutism or eternalism and on the other side, you have nihilism. Mm -hmm. And so if you get too out of balance, suddenly you start becoming nihilistic, you know, none of this is fucking real. It's all just fucking bullshit changing matter. That's the attitude you need. If you want to, uh, who explained this to me, uh, Bob Thurman, the Buddhist teacher said want to, to successfully feel okay about dumping oil into the ocean, <laughs> you, you need get that nihilist. nihilist. You have to be like, who gives a fuck? The big bang shot out of planet. I don't care. But then yeah. on the other side where it gets imbalanced is um, suddenly you're not dumping oil in the ocean, but you are not fully in the moment or, or, or right. You, you, you get, you get caught up in the, you get too caught up in like yourself as divine, pure, infinite, mm. Uh, consciousness which you, you're which you are and then you start imagining that's any more permanent than you are now and now you're mm -hmm. like burning candles to shit and so somewhere in between those two there's 
there's this. This is yeah. it. This is it. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is it. Beautiful, beautifully put. Uh, I think it's a great place to roll into. Um, tell me the story of when you first heard the name Ram Dass. Okay, first heard the name Ram Dass, that would have been, my mom was into him. And so- My I mom would, too, actually. Every, a lot of our mom were, <laughs> were into Ram Dass and, and she was also into Jack Hornfield. And so she would listen to these tapes when we went on trips and I would pretend as I recall, and I could be revising history, but I would roll my eyes. I would pretend I didn't like this hippie shit. Or I would try to, you know, I'm like rebelling. I'm cynical of what trying to be cynical, but I loved, I would listen to it. And like, even though I can't remember the specifics of what he was saying in those tapes, I can remember how it made me feel on those mm-hmm. trips, looking out as we were driving to where she grew up, looking out at the marsh and listening to him talk. And like, just like how, like his voice was, uh, you know, Ram Dass. And so you can yeah. hear it in his voice. But but so that was my, I, I believe that would have been my first introduction to him, followed by the inevitable contact with Be Here Now, which you will have contact with if you go to a liberal arts school, <laughs> along with Baraka. But like, mm-hmm. be every, but Be Here Now, that was, you know, I started reading it. And then of course, then I was like in my LSD phase, Mm, perfect um, i think if my mom had just told me in those days you know he loved acid i would have been like huh, well <laughs> can you rewind but the uh the yeah uh, so in that's when i met neem Crowley baba for the first time and that was when i opened up to a picture of him not knowing that was ramdas's guru and the first thought i had was he reminds me of someone in my family who is that is that my mm. uncle I remember thinking he kind of, does he remind me of Uncle Jimmy? Like Beautiful, familiar. Yeah, familiar. Yeah. But the way my brain spit it out, because in, in those days I didn't know so much about that system and what it, what it all is. I just, my brain's like, uncle. Yeah, <laughs> uncle, I guess. It's so <laughs> funny. I, I, I look at pictures of uh, Ramana uh, Maharshi. That's my, my disembodied guru. And, um, yeah, I, I call him like my spiritual dad because I can't not have a conversation with him. Like you were talking about that moment of having a conversation with your deceased mom. Like he'll just start talking to me, wow. you know, and, and, and you know, who you could you can rationalize. Oh, it's just my own thoughts. So it's in my own voice. But and, and it's always this really kind of gentle but tough love of like, dude, you're not fooling anybody. You, 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 you can't, there's nowhere to hide. Stop bullshitting yourself. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it, you know, these gurus, I mean, they're, they're definitely like, although, you know, from stories I've heard, there is one side of them that is just like, you know, you're, you're standing in front of a, a supernova of love and you're, but then there's another side of them. that's very like in the world. It's very much likely to be like, what are you doing? Don't do that. Why are you doing that? You yeah. know, like really, you what do you mean you're 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 what do you mean you're you're you you don't talk to your father? Well, you go mm. back to that, you go back to the United States, fix that relationship, and then come back and we'll talk. Yeah. And it, you know, there's that aspect of it too. But from what I've heard, even when they're scolding you, it's love. So like even when you're getting the they're chastising you, even though it's like wrathful, it's not the same as when someone's really mad at you because there's love there too. It's the like a mother scolds a child. Yeah. Yeah. Not- there's, there's not, there's no ego in it. It's, it really is for, 
you know, for the evolution of your soul. Yeah. And they know like, and the decision to be wrathful with you is a decision because I don't think that the, the way that they're not really reactive, like it's, it's, it's just in the moment spontaneously, they have identified that the best way to cut through the thing tying you to your suffering or to help you do it is to like be wrathful and, and that, that and then you'll hear it and it sinks in and it, it short term, it hurts like hell, but you know, cause you would love for them to like put a trophy or give you a spirituality trophy or medallion <laughs> identifying you as like enlightened, but uh, that's what your ego wants. But yeah, sometimes it, sometimes it, it burns, sometimes yeah. it gets you. Fierce, fierce grace. So, okay. You meet, um, you meet uncle Ninkaroli Baba uh, yeah. through a picture and you have not met Ramdas uh, in the flesh yet at this point. No. And so I went into like pretty much like the most miserable time of my life in Los Angeles, trying to like, you know, be a comic fresh out of a, a you know, terrible and, and think like truly talk about like fierce grace. Like, you know, if you look back sometimes that like, not just for you, but for the other person who you almost married or whatever the thing is. And you realize like, oh my God, like we were, God intervened here. Like you stopped being mad at them or or whatever. And you were just realized this was like, they, it would have, this, their child wouldn't have existed or, or if, if we'd stayed together and their child is so beautiful. Um, but yeah, like, so this was, uh, by the way, for anyone trying, anyone familiar with me, that I'm not, I'm, de- I'm 100% not talking about Natasha Legere, who I'm friends with, because I don't want. Okay, I was wondering. That. that wasn't a. That wasn't like some. I mean, no I breakup so. is pleasant, but mm-hmm. that was more of just like we're like it was over. Like you just knew that. Anyway, the point is, um, you, I was just like fucked up and i'm in this like squalid apartment in echo park los angeles i mean roaches like roaches it didn't matter what you did about your own cleanliness because the neighbors or you know roach anybody who's got garbage the roaches are just gonna like that they're there's no getting rid of them so roaches uh really bad hot window air conditioner unit that wouldn't work in LA anyway. My upstairs neighbor had a workshop, like a wood workshop or something above me. And one day he decided he was gonna take the carpet off the hardwood floor and like sand the floor and like have nice hardwood. And he would just clomp around. It was like living under a pony or something. Like it was like so loud, like insane, like in, in random. None of it made sense. He would, you know, you try to control it by at least understanding what is he doing? Yeah, the, the schedule, something like yeah. certain times a day. No, it's just it's whatever. No schedule, just sudden random clomping with maybe some hammering and like. You you were in one of the first realms of the Bardo. It sounds like. Yes, <laughs> yeah. a hell realm. And, and and so I was so depressed, like not cool, depressed, like uh, I'm depressed, but like, like sick. Yeah. So I, I was like spending way too much time sleeping. 
contemplating suicide, imagining what it'd be like to jump out my window because I knew it would kill me. And, but then I would like, I would have hard, you know how depression is. The thoughts, the intrusive thoughts are fucked. Like your yeah. brain is like spitting out, like it maybe would be like a lake. Jumping <laughs> into a lake. It's like a really, it's run by a really well-paid marketing uh, scheme. The oh intrusive thoughts. <laughs> like, oh, they, it's like they, a lake. They did their research. They know you inside and out and they're going to sell you on whatever crazy yeah. fucked up idea they have. By the lake idea. It's worked a lot of times. <laughs> He seems that addled that at this point he might buy Lake idea. He's not going to buy it. <laughs> so it I, so that's that's where I was at, and uh, and 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 I was there because I wasn't taking care of myself. At the, in those days, man, I got really lucky because I was really enjoying Vicodin and like opiates. So I'm taking opiates. I'm getting high. I'm driving around listening to fucking Elliot Smith, just mm. standing the flames of the the depression. And perfect and, formula not taking care of myself, not extra, just fucked. And so I would, you know, when you do that, you just start laying in bed more and more and more as the depression takes over. But somehow in that state, I started listening to, I realized, holy shit, you can, uh, the, the be here now they have a website now. Oh my God. I'm just going to listen to Ramdas. That's what my mom listened to start mm -hmm. listening to all these tapes. They have of him like obscure tapes. And I would listen. It felt like, like the, the internet was shitty. I think I was literally using my neighbor's internet. It would go in and out and like, but then it, there, it is that feeling again, that sense, there it is, the connection, the, oh wait, okay, okay, hold on. Maybe, holy shit, maybe, maybe things are going to be okay. And then somewhere in, I realized, wait a minute, I can sign up to talk to him. And they said, they were, they were like on the website, you just sign up and talk to Ramdas. That doesn't, that can't be true. <laughs> so then I just was like, well, all right, I signed up got scheduled i'm sitting in my this shitty fucking apartment get a phone call duncan it's ramdas you know what i mean like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then like we figured out a zoom in i'm sitting in front of ramdas for the first time my first darshan with him as you'd say mm -hmm. how are you i said to him and he got the you know that like just this smile, just, just that glowing Ramdas smile, childlike. He's like, I'm in Hawaii. I'm doing great. And it's like, and then I think pretty soon after that, my next question was, are you my guru? Yeah. And he goes, yeah, now what? <laughs> <laughs> the perfect response. Perfect response. Like, what are you expecting here? What is now? Tell me. <laughs> Am I enlightened now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you are. And and so that was sort of the, the and, and you know, I, I've, I've talked to friends of his and other people who explained to me what that, you know, who helped me frame that in a really cool way, which is that, and I'll tell you one other story if you have time. I have all the time in the world. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Please. So, after that, more breakups, my, my mom dies. So I'd made friends with Raghu Marcus from Love Serve Remember by then. And after my mom died, he's like, listen, I don't want you to think about this. You just come to this retreat. Just come. Don't think about it. You won't do it. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I did it, got on a plane, flew to Hawaii, completely. A good friend right there. That is a good friend. Yeah. And I was just grieving and just in denial and like, do it like when you're grieving, man, you get, I don't know. This, I, I think this is a more common experience that people want to admit, but you get horny, dude. Like you, <laughs> because because it's a way to stop the grief. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like you do crazy shit. And so like, I think I'm trying to like, I'm getting fixated on girls I used to mm-hmm. date and trying to it's like- It's a great, great distraction. It's a great temporary relief, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just trying to distract yourself, just anything. So anyway, Hawaii, as everyone knows, is really beautiful. In those days, they were doing the retreats in this place called Lemaria, which is a small little, uh, beautiful little yoga uh, spot in Maui. Um, and this particular one, they were going to sacred sites of Hawaii, which I just was not interested in. I was trying to be so fucking cool and just judging everybody. <laughs> oh my God, look at these hippies. Are you getting? Oh my God, is this a cult? Look at all these old people. I guess it's just old people now. And, and in that state of consciousness, I remember I was just watching Ramdas and he looked at me as I, I mean, he, you know, was he directing it at me? I, I don't know, but mm-hmm. he said, don't think that I'm my body because he'd had the stroke you know it's like don't don't think that I'm this old body dude you don't you don't get too caught up in that like mm. and like you just picked it up my horrible grief judgment so I felt immediately chastised even though it wasn't directed at me and then yeah exposed maybe vulnerable exposed. you know because yeah. they you know they're very polite but I do think some of those people do see you very clearly but in a loving way that they're out trying to help. So, but then Raghu, out of the blue, I don't know, they're going to see some waterfall. And he's like, you're not going on that. Don't go. He's like, we're going to go somewhere. And so we, all of a sudden we're driving and he's like, oh, you're going to come to Ram Dass's house. We're going to go meet Ram. You don't want you to hang out with him. He wants to meet you. So I'm, so we, uh, suddenly I'm at Ram Dass's house. I'm in a, I'm in Ram Dass's pool with Roshi Joan Halifax, this famous Zen teacher, Ram Das, Raghu, Roshi Joan Halifax. I mean, she's like a priest, a Zen priest. She's yeah. shaped head. And so she, and they've been friends forever. She's carrying him around the pool in her arms. It's just like watching kids play. Yeah. There's no heavy anything there's no sutras or quotes or it, they are playing or they're throwing the tennis ball back and forth to each other laughing yeah now i will try to say this out here uh so that right it it so in that moment suddenly i didn't feel bad my dad my mom had, had cancer for many years yeah all of a sudden it's like holy shit i felt okay again like i felt uh, normal and okay and right at that moment ramdas because the sun's setting it's beautiful ramdas turns and looks at me and he goes ah oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah wow and yeah and- he knew and when people say like Dharma transmission or like, yeah. you know, I think that was what that, like in that moment, it was like there, this, 
compressed into this moment is everything you need to know. It's all, this yeah. is it. All the yeah. other stuff. I mean, don't stop listening to experiments in truth, but mm-hmm. that, and then he gets, you know, he, he could do fake fears really well. He like points his finger and he goes, I want to talk to you. <laughs> and so, and so, so then I'm up in his house and he wheel. And now this is formal. He wheels up to me. You know, he's in a wheelchair. He wheels up to me. He, we talk a little bit and he points to his head and he goes, you're here. And then he points to his heart and he's like, you need to get here. And he Come goes, on. he got a big smile and he's like, we can help you do that. Oh my and- God. <laughs> it was, I mean, my description can't, you, yeah. The feeling of simultaneous, like a serious component. This is not bullshit. Did you yeah. think this was bullshit? <laughs> Did you think a lion was fake and you thought you'd go into the lion's cage? <laughs> That's, news. That's a real lion. You were with an actual, like, you know, you know, like whatever your modern secular deconstruction mm-hmm. of new age spirituality was. Yeah. The rug, the rug is pulled out from under you because you are not just hearing words. You're experiencing something else. Something else is happening on every level. Like you are having a conversation verbally. You're having a conversation with body language. And I think not to sound completely out of my mind, but extra dimensionally parts 100%. of your conversation. Yeah. And um, but this is where it gets super cool. So I'm crying now. You're not gonna not cry in that moment. Your mom, my mom loved him. So I start crying, like good tears, you know, like not like sobbing, but I was, I'm like, I, I said to him, um, you know, my mom would, would be so happy if she knew how we're here right now. She, she loved you. And he got a big smile on his face and he goes, she is here. Now, <laughs> like, and I know, man, that's easy. That's an easy thing to yeah. say. And, yeah. But in that moment, you know, it was like, oh, right, of course. Yeah. And 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 even though I don't know if I wanted to believe it then, but yeah. then we, so we end up, we end this kind of formal, what is known as Darshan, or what I would, you know, a spiritual meeting, I guess you could say, or, or there's something like important. And a I, transmission, I think. Darshan transmission. is transmission. Yeah. yeah. Then his cat jumps up on his wheelchair and he gets a big smile and he goes, my, she sleeps on my chest at night. So whatever, you know, you've had this very serious series of like, like, like you've gotten something he's told you. So he's like, we're energetically. He's also been working with you. Like something has shifted. Mm-hmm. So then I'm talking to my brother. I'm like, Jeff, I talked to Ram Dass. He, I told him everything he said about mom being there. And then, it, and then, and then I was like, yeah. And then he said like his cat sleeps on his chest at night. My brother goes, you don't remember, do you? I'm like, remember what? <laughs> and he goes, mom used to say that. She would all, she would talk about, it. she had this cat she loved. And she'd, like, she'd always talk how she liked that the cat like slept on her chest at night. And so what a beautiful time bomb. Yeah. He could have done some clairvoyant shit and been like, let me know in that moment that no, she's here. But instead, just using the moment as it was, <laughs> <laughs> he gave me something so that, like, down the lo- like later, yeah, yeah, 
like you could uh, land holy shit she really was there that was her and you know that that was so there there's my long-winded uh story i love telling that story which is why i went on and on wow I, I, I mean, I've listened to thousands of hours of you, Duncan. I think that's the best story I've ever heard you told, tell. Yeah, I, I don't know if <laughs> it's just because I'm, I'm so here and locked in, but I, I was there every moment of it. That is a beautiful story. I, I, I feel it. I know the thing that hit me the hardest was the relief. You, you said, like, the way that relief always comes unexpectedly. If you're sitting there waiting for it, like, okay, is the depression gone? Oh, it's still there the way that it just surprises you, it comes from the side, it sneaks up on you. And yes. then all of a sudden it's, it's relief. And, and you, yes. And, and it's, you know that you had nothing to do with it. It's something much greater, much more powerful than your personal little self. Or you know thought. what you, you know what you did, you noticed it. Like, because I think yeah. that moment is it's there all the time. It's stroboscopically happening, but when you're really caught up in the clouds, you're not going to, you can't see it. And so if you've, like, you know, this is why they call it a practice. This or you can think yeah. of it as fishing or something. It's like you need lines out in the water if you want to catch fish. You're never going to catch fish if you don't put something in the water. I mean, unless yeah. it, maybe it'll jump in your boat if you're extraordinarily <laughs> lucky. But you know what I mean? So but yeah. this, this is very frustrating because for a lot of us that nothing like no bites for a long time. Yep. No bites. Yep. And, and and we have to remind each other of the bites too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the other part of having some kind of spiritual community or some group of seekers around you is because inevitably you go through a bad spell. Inevitably you 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 lose your way. And you have to be reminded that, as Ramda said, if you are off the path, that's the path too. But yeah. it helps for someone to remind you of that. Like this whole thing is it. This is it. This this whole thing has baked into it unbearable suffering. But just by the very nature of if you have a thing, you must have its opposite. Yeah. Baked into it is almost unbearable love. And that yeah. that that the the moment that you start learning how to look for that and and retraining your mind to see that as as uh just as much a reality as the suffering part well that's where you move from the first two noble truths of buddhism to the second two because like i can't remember which teacher said this he's like everybody wants to talk about the (laughs) life of suffering Because yeah. we're so familiar, we're experts. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to get in the last two, which is the the the, the end of suffering. I don't want to give up suffering. That's my shit. Oh yeah. God, I know. I <laughs> you taste my cortisol. You know what tastes juicy? <laughs> wow, man. Well, you just hit us with some fierce, unbearable love with uh, that story. Well, thank you. You bring it out of me. Thank you so much. <laughs> That was really, really beautiful, Duncan. We're over an hour. I, I know you're a busy guy. You got some writing to do. Yes, sir. I got to get back to writing. I'm, I'm, I'm in the sort of last quarter of a book uh, that I'm working mm. on, which you know is exciting. And uh, so I, I do have to do that and a few other things. But a, a joy to spend time with you, and honored to be on your show, dude. It's it's amazing. I it, speaking of just. Uh, 
this was my dream for for nine years and it felt so far off that i was ever going to meet you and talk to you and the fact that i'm here having this conversation with you hearing these amazing stories <laughs> seeing you laugh seeing you smile it really is a dream come true like if you would have asked me at any point over those years you can have anything dude i'm not thinking about money i'm not thinking about women, cars. I'm thinking about a podcast with Duncan. I swear to God, dude. And people that know me, if you ever meet any of my, my friends that knew me during that time will agree. So the fact today I'm talking to my friends all week, they're like, you're, you're podcasting with Duncan again? Like they almost don't believe it. Why? You, know? and, you got what well, you're, I, I want to talk to your friends. This is a <laughs> wonderful person. It's not like when I'm like agreeing to do the podcast, I'm like, oh God, I guess I'll step down from my lofty tower of light to talk to this miscreant. It's like, I'm excited. I love so you. Cool. You know what I mean? Like I truly, it's like, uh, like, so cool. of course, like I, I, we, I think together, like it's fun to like, you know, the, you're, you're asking me really important questions and you're like, in every podcast I do with you, I, I, I get reminded of this thing that I'm yapping about, but in a, mm. in a, in a real, like non mind way in a heart way. And so that's why I love doing your show. And, it's beautiful, and man. Thank, you. thank you for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're great. And uh, maybe when your book's done, we can come back on and talk about your book. I can promote them to my uh, couple hundred followers, <laughs> get some people to read your book. I love your fucking followers. Don't forget like, you know, podcasts like yours, they might, yeah. Suddenly they, there's exponential growth, man. I mean, you, you should, your friends need to recognize. <laughs> <laughs> they need to recognize this is bullshit. And, and, and two, you should too, man. You're really good at this. And I uh, love talking with you. It's really nice. Thank you, dude. You're too kind. All right. Uh, until next time, much love. Hare Krishna. Awesome, man. That was fun, oh, dude.